Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast, where we discuss films from every genre. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our second entry in our Legend of Zelda television series review. Today we will be reviewing uh, episodes 4, 5, and 6. If you haven't seen our first review, which we reviewed episode 1 through 3, go ahead and uh, watch that. Um, Just so you know, these episodes are not in any kind of linear order, so if you didn't hear that podcast, um, there's not going to be any spoilers for those episodes in this podcast. You're not going to be missing out on um, any sort of plot elements, really. Um, they're just much more standalone episodes. Yes, yeah, basically. Between the last entry and this entry, I have I have since changed rooms because the last time we did the first one, I was I was with you, and now I'm back at college in a in an apartment, and it's really echoey. <laughs> Hopefully, I can fix that. <laughs> That's true, but thankfully, the listeners really won't have to wait long for this episode to come out. Yeah. So, the listeners, listeners, you don't know this, but episode one through three was recorded a couple months ago. Oops. Um, but <laughs> we just got, we got busy during the summer um, doing different things, and we did want to, like, release these episodes in uh, close proximity to each other, so we could just kind of, like, film them all and then have them all ready prepared and then, like, release them in pretty close to each other so the first episode we will be discussing as i said is episode four kiss intel written by phil harnage oh boy so we begin with a three-headed dragon yes which i thought i was like oh cool three-headed dragon that's kind of cool and you know until it opened it yeah that's true that's true i agree with that and actually i did a little research on this this is they also say in the i actually did research on it when it got to this point when I saw the three-headed monster, I was like, oh, I wonder what kind of enemy that is in, in Zelda. So I went to find out, and then it's the name later. But it's a Gleok, and it's, I think, in, like, the fourth dungeon is the is the boss that you fight in the original Legend of Zelda game. Just for a little bit of uh, some facts. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, I had no memory of a dragon being in the Zelda video oh, yeah. games. That's probably because I've never played the first zelda or second before i came i guess you could say relatively late to the series Mm -hmm. with my first entry well i had a couple entries at once um a kid at school gave me oracle of seasons couldn't even make it out of the woods didn't even know what to do and it was in like black and white yeah (laughs) i have actually i've only played very little of the oracle games i played Link's awakening i've almost beat that one but I haven't played any of the other ones, the other two Game Boy releases. I played that, and I played A Link to the Past. That's a good one. Which is great, yeah. And then I came mostly on the scene with the 3D version of Ocarina of Time. That's one of the first 3D Zelda games, if not yeah, the first. Yeah, that is the first 3D Zelda game. That was my first Zelda game, too. So, yeah. when I, And for those who have listened to the first one, that's I think I mentioned it. That is my favorite video game just of all time, you know. I've beaten it yeah. too many times to count. <laughs> so, the Zelda games pretty much ditch the conventional creatures. I would say they they kind of create their really own amazing fantastical creatures yeah. 
free to fight in the video game. That's why when I saw this dragon, I was like, oh, cool, a three-headed dragon. But I was like, okay, I haven't seen this. And most of the creatures in these games, I mean, I guess they have these, like, 8-bit counterparts in the original Zelda yeah. games. But nothing that most modern viewers of the Zelda game franchise would probably be familiar right. with. Right. I mean, if you've played the original game, you might notice... From what I've seen, the all the enemies that are in the TV series have all been in the game somewhere. If I'm not this is the again, this is only episode six, and we're only about halfway, so that could change between now and when we finish the series. But from what I've seen so far, all the all the enemies in the show are in the game somewhere. Most of this show is incredibly corny. <laughs> yeah, like to the extreme. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, but I did find a couple of the lines funny when. They're like, we wanted Link, and um, but okay, I did not think it was funny when uh, grapefruit gives me heartburn. Oh yeah, and Zelda said, "Limit, um, like take this, these lemons, you sourpuss." Yeah, that was like, no, that's not funny because it's too on the nose. Yeah, they're but okay when they're just being more like, oh no, we wanted Link. I thought that was yeah, kind of funny. but when I, there was one line in this dispute that I thought was, that actually made me laugh. It was. Watch the insults, will ya? That's not in the script. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh. And then, of course, oh, yeah. Then, of course, line. it was ruined by the next line when mm. the the princess or the girl that's in danger. She's like, she's like, I'm getting into the part, and it's like, oh, well, that kind of ruined the joke. Yeah, I remember that yeah. now. Yeah. Well, did you immediately know that this was a setup? No, I didn't actually. Oh. Yeah. I at first I was. At first, I guess now that you mentioned it, it makes a lot more sense. But at first, like, oh, that's kind of funny. They're breaking the fourth wall and stuff like that. And then, of course, you know, later they find out that it was actually just a setup the whole time. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah. that's right. I kind of remember those lines now because it was a setup and that's right. what they were saying right. and trying to get Link there. Something that didn't make any sense is I'm pretty sure those three dragon heads are connected to one yes. body. yeah. But when Link zaps them the middle dragon head is still left. Somehow he's able to like zap the heads and neck and they disappear, but the whole body doesn't disappear yeah. or part of the body separates I, or something. And I was like, wait, that doesn't make If there's sense. a recurring theme in this show, it's that it runs by its own rules per episode. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, when we get into the other two episodes, I have a lot of questions as to regarding the logistics of the story. So yeah, the, this beginning, it's just like, huh? Because he shoots the two heads, and it's just the middle one left, and is and the head, the middle head makes some exclamation, and, and then Link kills it for real, and it's just like, what? it, I, it yeah, just, that... it doesn't make any sense. And by the, and the way that it goes down is also kind of silly, because at first it's Zelda, and then she just like throws the fruit basket at him, right, and then mm -hmm. the Link comes along, and then he like grabs onto the tail of Gliok, and like Gliok starts spinning in circles, and it's like chasing its own tail. And, it's, and, it, and then after that... And breathing yeah, fire. Yeah, and breathing fire. And then after that, Zelda throws a banana peel and that thing slips. So in my notes, I have a giant Gliok is defeated by fruits and a basket. JK, defeated by chasing its own tail. JK, defeated by slipping on a banana peel. And it's just like, the thing, it just takes on, it just takes forever, you know, to get this thing out of the yeah. way when it... But I don't know, it just, it wasted too much time when we could have moved on to other things. Because, you know, pacing. Well, and this is an issue that I'm really going to touch on, um, I believe, in episode six. 
I'll briefly bring it up here. But Link's sword is so overpowered. And like once you realize that, then it makes all of these fights meaningless pretty yeah. much. And it makes the sword pointless because a sword is basically a gun, I guess. Right. It shoots a beam, and the beam is like... It like instantly defeats anything it touches unless it's Ganon. Then it takes a couple beams or something. So I I want to talk about that more later in episode yeah. six. But like you're saying, it's dragging on, and it's like we all know how this is going to end. Just like all the other battles are going to end right. this way. I- exactly. And there's like there's just no and there's no creativity. Really. Oh yeah. I are mean, you kidding me? It goes for like oh, it's a banana peel, <laughs> huh? Yeah. It, like we said, this show is incredibly corny. So, <laughs> and it's just, and that's really too bad that they just didn't try hard. I mean, I know a lot of the other cartoons around this era, I mean, weren't the cream of the crop as far as animation oh, yeah. goes. I'm sure like they have more nostalgia built into them. Whereas this one is like a pretty little known, uh, television series. Yeah. Well known but... for failing. <laughs> Yeah, and so that's why it's just sad. Like, this is the only adaption yeah. of a Zelda thing. I know, I think it was IG. I think it was IG, and they put out, like, an April Fool's joke about a Legend of Zelda movie that, of course, came out on April Fool's and was going to be released on April Fool's. So, I mean, it, it, was just a, it was a joke all the way around, but it looked cool from when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so. They they do, yeah, I remember they did that with a Darth Maul movie, and it looked pretty really? legit. That's I remember crazy. it looked pretty good. I think that was last April yeah. Fool's. But, and once again, they go for the tropes, what we were expecting, because Link kisses her, and she's like, oh, I'm a fat, ugly mummy. Which was a little different, because normally it's like an ugly witch yeah, or something. Right, right. It seems yeah, like. th- this is an enemy in the game as well. It's basically just a mummy, you know. Yes, and this, there's a scene in, um... I own the disc. It's a very odd copy of the disc. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Something about the sword. I'll I'll remember it here in a yeah. little bit. Um, but I just recognize that trope, and it's kind of like, oh, I wonder if they're drawing from drawing upon that. Right, right. And this is also a, a complaint I'm going to have later on when we get to later episodes. Is because the next scene we transition to Ganon's castle. And one of my questions, I won't, I won't talk about it now, but I'll ask it is what, I think I asked this in the last podcast too. Like what is, okay. How do you get from the overworld, which is Hyrule to the underworld where Ganon is at? Cause in the scene, it just transitions. Right. But like in the show, there are multiple times where Ganon goes back and forth one way or another. And then we'll see episode six that all the previous all the previous thoughts are just, they, they blow up because it makes no sense at all what they do in that one. But, I don't know, it, it, it's confusing how they get from the overworld to the underworld. I'm kind of curious as to how that works in this show. Maybe we're just looking too deep in it because it is a kid's show. A poorly made kid's show. Well, and it's always very convenient when it does oh, happen, yeah. like you were saying. It, there'll be like a magic underground entrance that'll just open yep. like conveniently where they're yeah. at or something and then the ground will replace itself and it's not very well it just and it just doesn't make any sense like is this an actual place and if it is how is it so cavernous yeah. when they go down and spacious and open and it's supposed to be like solid underground but yeah. there's like a whole network of like 
Try, I don't know. Yeah, well, when we get to episode six, we'll talk about this more in detail. But I wanted, just wanted to bring it up now. Yes. Uh, yeah, I I noted that also. Yeah. And we will talk about that. But were you expecting? It's kind of a reversal, isn't it? Because normally there's like a frog and you kiss it and then it turns into the prince. But he kisses the ugly, well, she was beautiful, but then she became ugly and then he became a frog. And I really wasn't expecting that. I thought that was, I I mean, I don't know why, because he's a big frog, not a small frog. And and he's like, oh, I can't even grip my sword. I'm like, yeah, you probably could. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The whole frog thing is just weird. I mean, I get it. They're flipping the the trope on its head, you know, like oh, instead of well, I guess they were, I guess they really aren't because they're they turn into an, turned him into a frog. Okay, well, in the original fairy tale, they turn him into a frog so we can learn a lesson, right? But uh, there, there, there's no lesson learned here. He's right. just turned into a frog just so that way Ganon can you know try and take the Triforce of Wisdom. That's really all it's there for, I guess. <laughs> Yes, and I think, yeah, the same exact plot of every episode we've come to find out. <laughs> yeah, every episode we've seen and every episode that's prob my guess, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if this is true, that every episode that's going, every subsequent episode that we're going to be reviewing. I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. Well, it, I thought the frog was unexpected, and right. I kind of liked it because I was like, okay, he is not in this, I don't know, position. Like, he seems like a little more helpless. Like, he has to rely on Zelda more right. now, right. or Sprite, or somebody, and I just kind of liked seeing Link get taken down a notch. Yeah, you're right. I, I That is kind of <laughs> creative. You know, just toning down the hero, you know. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I did think it was stupid, though, when Ganon tells these little spiders that come out of the tree to take care of Link, like finish him off or tie him up or something. I don't know. And yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? They're like, they're not like the, the what are those called? The Skeletals? Skeletolas? Yeah, the Staffles. Um, you know the big spiders? Oh, oh yeah, the Skeletas. Yeah, they're not like those big scary things yeah, from yeah. Ocarina of Time and the deku tree and other places right so they're like these little spiders yeah i and know he just eat them i know it's what a surprise right spider right the, this show is great <laughs> yes yeah no i now when they get to the the scene when they talk to the triforce of wisdom and it Ooh. gives them that really weird weirdo riddle or whatever and so they go to that bridge you know yeah i thought it was pretty funny it was the the riddle was some okay well let me talk about the riddle first all right Yes. So they I go to the Triforce of Wisdom, and the, wiz- the Triforce of Wisdom gives them this gives them this riddle of oh, they got to go just do something at this bridge or whatever that never ends, you know. The and wall. so it's like, yeah, yeah, the wall that never ends. And so they're like, oh yeah, what does that mean? You know, and the, when they first hear it, <laughs> the very next scene they go to this bridge that has the wall that never ends, and it's, there's you know, I was just like, oh wow, well, okay, that's fine, you know. And I would say that is one of my biggest issue with these episodes is it's like okay there's a riddle or a mystery or something they have to solve or there's something going on but instead of like actually taking time to think about it or explore it right it's like well here we are right yeah it's just it's just poor writing that's just what that this is what it boils down to it's just poor writing there's no creativity and what the triforce says is sage advice seek well this is me paraphrasing it i just wrote down the which i thought was so terrible yeah. sage advice seek the one who's wise 
Are you kidding me? Man, that is sloppy writing. That is just not even... And the Triforce normally always rhymes in some kind of stupid way. Yeah, it gives them the advice that they need whenever the script calls for it. Honestly, though, should we be surprised by this? This is episode four, and it's literally the exact same plot. And the like, everything is the same. You know, nothing really has changed except for Ganon's motive to try and get the Triforce of Wisdom. You know, so even though the Triforce of Wisdom at this point, it's just giving almost this poorly, poorly written wisdom quotes is not really that surprising, you know. And this shouldn't surprise us that this didn't get renewed. Probably. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense I to would, me. Yeah, I would be really interested to see what the ratings were for this show. Like Same. the viewership and ratings and stuff. Yeah, when it was it's, airing. It's just so cliche. Like it just does recycles the same plot with different characters or different methods or something. Right. There's always one little thing that's different. But they do get to the wall and that uh, kind of like witch thing comes out of the wall. What'd you think about that? It made me laugh. When she's yeah. when she set, tells them what they need to know or whatever. And then her ending quote was, I said the curse was simple. I never said it was easy. Goes back into the wall. I thought that was pretty funny. And maybe it's just me grasping for straws, but yeah. I thought this was like the only thing in the episode that was kind of different. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and I thought the design was kind of cool. Yeah. Kind like of reminded she just me of comes, stained glass. Yeah, she just comes like right out of the wall. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. For I mean, for this show, I'd say that. <laughs> right. I remembered that movie, by the way. It came out in 1962. It is called The Magic Sword. Oh, okay. And listeners, it is, as of this recording, it is free to watch on Amazon Prime right now. Oh, wow. So go check it out. I think it's possible that, I mean, it came out in the very early 60s, and of course it's relying on a lot of lore, like folklore of old. But then I watch this, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they're getting some of this also. From right. the magic sword. There's just a lot of things remind me of that. So right. check it out. Okay, so next, so so Ganon captures Zelda, right? Right. And so now we have. So now this is the situation. Okay, Zelda's captured in Ganon's lair or the underworld, whatever you want to call it. Link is now turned into a frog. Okay, so Link at this point in time with Sprite is going after Zelda to save her, and Ganon does absolutely nothing. To try and get the Triforce of Wisdom. Even though at this point in time, he has the perfect opportunity to do so. Because Hyrule Castle is not being guarded by anybody. <laughs> and he does nothing. <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense. Because I feel like it just, like, Ganon's motive is always stop Link. That's, what did he want Zelda for? Did it explain why he wanted Zelda so bad? I mean... I don't know. I think the reason why is because he he wanted to capture Zelda to give Link more motive to go after her. But he then Ganon does nothing to about that. There's no... there's. I know. Like, it's like it's like those plans when people like... Like, okay, in Spongebob, there's this... There, Plankton does this one thing where he tries to steal the, crab, the Krusty Krab, right? And he... He puts himself into a, cra a makeshift Krabby Patty, and then Mr. Krabs picks it up, and like this open, this door opens up, and he pops out. He goes, "Ha ha!" He's like, "Now give." It's like, "I've come for your formula. I've made it this far, or whatever." And then Mr. Krabs is just like, well, "What are you gonna planning on doing next?" And he goes, "I don't know. I didn't think I'd get this far." <laughs> like I feel like that's what Gideon was doing at this point. He's like, "I, I didn't think I'd get this far," you know. Yeah. 
I don't know if the writers were just trying to change it. I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up because it's like his motive has always been, and as we'll see in the next episodes, get the Triforce of Wisdom or whatever. Right. And this time he's like, I just want Zelda and I'll do this little fight with Link and that's it. And I thought it was really creepy when um, Zelda gets away and we see Gan start chasing Zelda around. Something just felt very creepy about that to me yeah yeah you're right (laughs) but were you surprised when um sprite turns link back into himself did that surprise you not really honestly no because i knew there are only two women in this entire show that we've really seen so far you know that are main characters sprite and zelda right and i knew for a fact that zelda is not going to kiss link so when sprite kisses him yeah, when Sprite kisses him, I was like, yeah, well, I guess that makes sense. And this, like, so. just because this episode is, like, focused on kissing doesn't mean that's, like, a running thing throughout this whole entire series. In every episode, he's like, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. We'll see in the beginning of the next episode. Remember? What happens? Oh, yeah. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I want her to kiss me. Yeah. Uh, and, the same, and the same with the next one. He's like, kiss me. Well, she's more like that onto him, but we'll get there in a second. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and it's just kind of a running gag. You know, he always, Link always gets so close to having a kiss from Zelda, but then Zelda just, for one reason or another, doesn't doesn't do it, you know? Yeah. So. But I gotta say, I'm pretty disappointed Ganon is foiled by a wall rug. <sighs> yeah. Skunked again. What a good villain. Rugs. What, what a good what villain. Tapestries. <laughs> just uh it's kind of funny because there's really no decorations in his castle except for that one wall rug that is just hanging there for the script to to use it whenever it needs to right and uh, it just didn't make any sense because he gets zapped and he falls through and he's like once he's i don't know hit the bottom i guess he'll just teleport back up and like that doesn't make any sense uh yeah i don't know he's foil ball wall rug it's very anticlimactic right Exactly. And if there's one thing that we've done in these podcasts so far, it's overanalyzed the crap out of these episodes. Literally, these ep- these episodes are face value. This is what the show is saying, so this is what you're going to get. And we're looking, we're trying to look deeper into it, and there's nothing there. And so we're getting frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. Yep. But that's, that's, what, that's what makes it fun. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure we're making like even though we're not giving very high praise to these episodes i'm sure the writers and creators are like still thankful like somebody remembers this show yeah talking about probably they're just like hey i remember that thing i did it's a thing okay exactly so how many rupees would you buy this episode for i don't know like three maybe I will buy it for a thousand. You buy it for a thousand rupees, eh? Yes. Uh, I thought it was fun, but the end fight was really lame. Otherwise, I thought the episode was pretty fun. Yeah, I guess you're right. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I overall, the only thing different about it was that Link was a frog. So I guess I did like that once you brought it up. But That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Overall, I mean, it's it's like every other episode. There's nothing here, you know? Yes. In the next episode, episode five, Sing for the Unicorn, written by Bob Forward. Yes. And all these episodes are pretty much written by the same three people. They just kind of rotate episodes. Yeah. Um, Sing for the Unicorn. We get a unicorn, a flying unicorn at that, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, okay, so I was very confused by this when the unicorn comes out. 
Um, actually, well, I guess we'll get there. It doesn't happen until a little bit later after the opening. Because I have yes, things to say. I, I have things to say, too, because Link says he's still not used to living in the castle. Yeah, right. That, that, that's a funny one. I can't even believe he said that. He's like, I'm still not used to living here. Like, I know. I think, well, okay. How long does it take you? My biggest problem is this. Okay. So in the opening sequence, there's a scene that's intercut between Link and the King of Hyrule. Like, it's really short, right? But they are still intercut, which I'm going to, for my own, for my own purposes, I'm going to say it counts as a, as a as an intercut sequence, right? Now, <laughs> just a little bit of editing, a little bit of editing tricks here, or sorry, editing education, I'll say. When you intercut two scenes that are happening simul usually simultaneously, um, those scenes, they go together somehow and they impact the characters that are in that scene usually the same way. You know, now the outcome may be different for both for either character or whoever is in, whoever's in the scene. So, so when you have two intercut scenes, right, they usually have a relationship in some way, right? And so when I tried to figure out what the relationship is between the intercut scenes between Link and the King of Hyrule, I can't, it was, hmm, let me just read you my notes, all right? So the King of Hyrule is behind Link, right? And the one of the first things he, one of the first things he says is, um, oh, the fresh air, and then breathes it in, right? And then Link is looking at Zelda over the banister who's laying like on, I think it's like a couch or a bed, and she's reading a book, right? And he has some explanation for whatever he's doing, you know? And so immediately I had a bunch of questions. Just like, is the show trying to show a relationship between them? Does this mean that the King of Hyrule has a sexual attraction to oxygen? Or is Link attracted to Zelda like the King of Hyrule is to, is to oxygen, which is needing for life? Does this mean that Link can't live without Zelda? I have so many questions. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this was, this was literally like the first 10 seconds after the, in, after the intro that I'm just like, huh? <laughs> well, you want to know what I wrote? What? King is weirdo. You're right. That was my <laughs> next. That was next in my notes. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. It's and the king is so weird. Like his voice. I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah, and like, okay, the opening. Yeah, like the first thing that Link that the king says to Link is, um, like he asked Link, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, just looking at your daughter, about to swing in on her, or whatever." And he's like, take some flowers if you want to swing in and kiss my daughter. It's like, heh. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, you want him in that room with her alone? And I yeah. Just, I don't know. Didn't make right. any sense. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like I said, we're looking way too deep into the show than what needs to be. <laughs> yes, we are. And you know what I was scratching my head trying to figure out? Is Zelda's voice sometimes... There's a very reminiscent feel to it, and I was like, "Who could it be? Maybe there's somebody that I'm not thinking of that it's closer to." Right. But the closest I got, especially in this scene, um, when Link swings in and then Ganon comes on the unicorn, which I thought looked kind of cool. It yeah. looked kind of bizarre, also, but kind of cool because I was like, "This looks weird." It's like this big fat pig man on a flying unicorn. Right. I don't know, um, but. Zelda's voice kind of sounds like the lady from Rope. Yeah, okay. You remember the one, well, there's two female, three, excuse me, three females technically in Alfred Hitchcock's Rope? 
the the young one that he's trying to like play yeah. off of the other right. one the one engaged to what's yeah. his name yeah yeah their voices are a little similar so You're right. if you go yeah. back and watch rope like listen to her voice in rope and zelda's voice doesn't always sound like it but i was like there's just something very similar about that yeah that i really caught my attention yeah in this scene too i noticed that there was a, like a it's i felt like there was something different in her voice at first like that's strange it i didn't was, write down anything down about it but yeah yes. By the way, Rope is freaking awesome, just to be to know. We watched Rope this summer. Yes, together. we did. It is amazing. It is. But you don't normally associate a unicorn with a, an evil animal, so that's why I was kind of confused about yeah. his animal choice. See, at first I was just like, oh, it's just another thing that he created, you know. Yeah. And then next in my notes was, I bet the horse took a lot of time to animate. <laughs> <laughs> Because honestly, honestly, it is the best looking thing here. Yes. You know? Yes. And I thought the little baby, like, gargoyle devils were kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah. I think it's funny how, like, these enemies are, like, never very formidable. Except for... It might be in this episode. I don't remember. But we'll get to it. Yeah. Normally, the enemies aren't formidable. And, like, especially these little baby gargoyles. I'm like, this is what you bring with you? Are you kidding me? Right. And why does he get the king? Get the Triforce. You're, yeah, the you're king? right in the ball of what I was thinking, too. Like, if he's going to go to all that work <laughs> just to capture the king. Last time it was Zelda, now it's the king. I can understand Zelda, she's pretty. The king, he's, like, fat, middle-aged man. I know. It was, an, it was, it was really just... He's really stupid. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And he's not... It doesn't seem like... And the problem is, like, everything is so isolated. You know, we don't ever see the villagers. We only saw them, like, once in the first episode. Yeah. But all these events are so isolated where it should be, like, this big drastic thing. Like, oh, no, the king's been kidnapped. Right. It's, like, just so limited to them. You know, you just don't feel the tension, really. Exactly. Well, I thought it was silly when they were flying away, and yeah, I'm like, okay, he has literally flown into like the stratosphere or whatever by now. Like, yeah. He's in space, and like you can see the stars, and I'm like, I just wrote in my notes like Ganon is flying right. into space, <laughs> which wouldn't surprise me with this. Well, and something else I want to briefly mention is the flying unicorn is in the film The Clash of the Titans, the original one. Um, so I was like, I wondered if they're borrowing some of these things from probably older movies these creators watched as kids. I mean, that makes sense, you know. Yeah. So flying unicorn, and I don't remember exactly how uh, they tamed the unicorn to get it, but I remember I felt like in Clash of the Titans it had something to do with some kind of, I could be wrong, but I, I just noticed similarities right. between this and that. Right. Clash of the Titans is way better. Go watch that. Right. The original. Yeah, the original. Not, not the new one. Not talk about that. <laughs> okay, so going back to Ganon's plan. Let's, let's just walk through it for a moment. Okay. So, Ganon's plan is to do as follows. Kidnap the king of Hyrule with and setting up a ransom for the Triforce of Wisdom, right? Pretty straightforward. That That is until he puts it into action. So... Once okay, so he kidnaps the king of Hyrule, puts him in a lair. Then I'm not entirely sure what he does. Right? And the floor beneath the king of Hyrule starts like giving way, right? Yes. And so it's like opening up. Okay, 
I didn't realize that at first, though. Yeah, neither did I. I had no idea what that beam of light was there for. I thought the I thought if he touched the light, it would kill him. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. And then come to find out later, it's just the floor opening up. So, here's my problem, right? Ganon has no idea, because after they kidnap the king, Link is out to go after him, right? So, Ganon has no idea that they are in his castle until later, of course. So, my question is... Why on earth would you want to try and kill the king of Hyrule if you're ransom, if you're there for a ransom for the Triforce of Wisdom, right? Right. Like, that makes no sense. I mean, if you really think about it, it doesn't make much sense because you could just say, I'm going to kill the king of Hyrule if you don't bring me the Triforce of Wisdom, not actually take that into action, you know? Yeah, and the one thing he forgot to do is tell anybody that he was doing Yeah, like... Because what the heck? <laughs> normally ransoms come with ultimatums, right? But people have to know about it, and yeah, I I didn't really think about that because it was late when I was watching this, and I kind of pulled out my phone <laughs> and started looking at it. Yeah. But you're right; that doesn't make any sense because he kidnaps him, and he doesn't ever say like, "Hey." Right. You want your dad back? You want the king back? Give me this. It just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. What I wanted to see happen, I wanted to see Ganon kind of knock the king around in that room. Yeah. <laughs> just for fun. I just want to see him slap him around a little bit. <laughs> I mean, he really had the opportunity to. And honestly, the I know, king... don't even touch him. Yeah, and honestly, the king probably would have told him where the Triforce is at. Or we'll just give it to him right there, you know, knowing his yeah. character. But this, I would say, is where uh, I would say the episode kind of picks up and they introduce a lot of really cool elements okay. that I just really wish they would touch, like elaborate more or not just like make so lame because I, that's just that's just what frustrates me. Yeah. Um, okay. Those like really big giant red guards. I thought those were pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And those are in the game too. Those are the guards you walk up to and if you touch them, they awaken, you know. I thought those were really cool. Yeah. And like just the look of the underground castle, mm-hmm. like and everything, it looked cool, I thought. Like just the art design. Of right. It. Right. Um it it was very much um like the black cauldron style um Disney film animation, I thought. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. The color palette and everything and design yeah. of it. Not it's, not doesn't look nearly as good, but yeah, I agree with you. No. Also, uh, I believe the I believe it's called the Princess and the Goblin. Um, I could just be making that up, but it is about yeah. a princess that does look kind of familiar to Zelda, and a okay. goblin. Uh, don't let your kids watch it. It's aimed towards kids, but it's got some creepy goblins in it. I mean, yeah. I'm oh, okay now. I want to watch it again. <laughs> it's been a long time, but I would say okay, yeah that that's something i'll give it is it's called the princess and the goblin 1991 okay check it out okay and then we also get this new per, this new character called sing that was who doesn't say a word that. who doesn't say a word because she speaks a different language but that, okay that's fine you know we can you can still create character off of that right yeah well, but but it, other, it doesn't <laughs> right before we meet sing i felt it was totally out of character for zelda to touch the the stuff, the guards, those giant soldier guards. Link's like, don't touch that. Zelda's always the smart one, always thinking. Link is more of the brash one. Right. So it would have made more sense if Link would have like went up to it and like leaned his arm on it 
and she would have said, don't touch that, and then he would have had to fight them. But doing it the other way around, right. it was totally out of character the, for yeah, her. Yeah, that makes perfect sense for Link to touch him because that's how they work in the games, you know? It didn't make any sense. And like I said in the when we were viewing the previous episode, I was like, this is a really cool fight, except I know how it's going to end. Yeah. It's stupid for Link to actually really take them on when he could just shoot his sword at all of them and end it. So that does kind of like really take any of the tension out and kind of bums me yeah, out. Yeah, you're right. But I did like, right before we met Singh, I did like the action kept going. They went down into that like skull, um, big like skull room and they fight the skeletons and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and there's one thing I'll say about this episode. So far in the series, I say this is probably one of the best ones. And if there's one thing that I've that yes, is been consistent from the beginning to this point is that the episodes I feel are getting a little bit better, you yeah. know, in terms of I would say pacing. You know, they're they're they feel they feel better to watch. Like they're not as like, oh we gotta do this and this and that, you know, and then it's just it just feels very, very choppy. And this one, especially in this one that that we were reviewing it, it it has a bit more of a, diff- of a better flow to it than the last ones did. And you can really follow does. it easier. I mean, that's not, not saying much, but yeah. That's one thing I've started to pick up on is that the episodes are getting better somewhat. Yes. And honestly, this is probably the closest one to kind of a Zelda video game yeah. in a way. Yeah. Just because there's like, it feels as close to like a dungeon as we've gotten so far right um just like progressing through these different levels um trying to get to ganon ultimately and fight him right so you can kind of think of these like like mini bosses and different fights along the way so being in that like skull rib cage kind of reminded me of dungeon so this is probably the closest we have ever gotten so far maybe ever to kind of replicating a zelda game that actually hadn't come out yet right Right. In retrospect, you know. Right. Let's talk about Sing. Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that too. (laughs) Yep. Honestly, okay. Her character is introduced because the unicorn, this makes no sense. The unicorn that Ganon wrote on was hers, right? Yes. That is the only reason why she's there. There's literally no reason for Singh to be in this episode except the fact that they forced her in. Well, at first it made me think of um, Zelda when, oh, I guess, spoiler alert, not really, when Zelda in the Ocarina of Time is the kind of the ninja yeah, yeah. thing. What What's her name? I can't remember. That's the Sheikah name. tribe. That's it. Yeah. That's what it made me think of at first. That's what I thought, too. But honestly, this Sing costume person looks more like something from Mortal Kombat. Right, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. Well, and definitely not a creature. No, no. She's like Zelda's a like, gal. Yeah, Zelda's like, oh my gosh, it's a creature. And I wrote in my notes, creature, that's a ninja fool. Yeah, yeah, I- exactly. And Clearly a woman also. Right, and maybe, okay, for all we know, it could just be like an early design for the she could try. Because they don't show up until... Um, let's say it's, this show came out in what, like what, 86 or yes. yeah. So, Somewhere or there. came out late eighties, I think doesn't matter. The show came out before Ocarina of Time, which is, which, which is what introduced Sheik and that tribe, you know? Yes. So I was thinking maybe it's just like an early concept, but it doesn't really matter to be honest. What? Yeah. Well, she kind of has those like katana swords mm-hmm. and of course the ninja is an Asian. 
course. So <laughs> yeah, I just stereotype it all, you know. I thought that was funny. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, ninja it must be an Asian." Right. <laughs> and Singh's voice was bizarre, totally computer mixed. It sounded yeah. very weird. I think I first was like, "Is that played backwards?" And I kind of wanted to like play it backwards to see what she was actually saying, and maybe I'll go back and do that. But yeah, it was really weird. Very weird. I was I was like, "That is." I'm gl- so I'm glad she doesn't talk much because it sounds very weird. That's the only thing she says is in that one scene, and then just anything else at all. I thought it was funny because um, the the light animation um, when we first see it where the king is, um, like when the floor is coming out, they didn't pace it. They either it was either poorly animated and paced because I was like, okay, at this pace, he's gonna be like gone in a couple yeah. minutes. But I think it was to create tension in the younger viewers because they're like, oh my gosh, it's going to happen. Right. But when it cuts back to him, we see the light like really slowing down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And going off on the light too, it just it just kind of goes to show how cheap the animation is because it's the ground is opening up, right? So the, and right. for some reason, there's a beam of light shooting out. And so instead of animating like maybe like the light is kind of see-through and you can like see that it's a pit. It's just all yellow. It's just this yellow bean just comes out of the floor, and it's just like okay. I, it, yeah, yeah, I'll talk about that here in a minute because I finally figured it out, I guess. Okay. But and I do think it's really funny because Ganon is like, "Where are they? Like, why aren't they here?" And then he hears this blast, and he's like, "What could that be? What's going on?" <laughs> yep. <laughs> Maybe they're kind of my minions. Know. They blew something up. So stupid, probably. <laughs> um, and we next we see him fighting two centaurs. Yeah, yeah, it happens. That's a thing. <laughs> to me, it's like if you're like I personally think it's cool that they are like introducing this stuff, right? But it's like uh, let's like amp it up. Let's amp up the action. Let's not make them red and blue like everything else is. It seems like yeah. Um, like there's that kind of centaur creature in the um, in the new game, right? Right. That I tried right, to take yeah. on foolishly. That's right. Remember? Yes. For those who haven't heard from the first podcast to this podcast, I picked up Breath of the Wild. Yes. Right. There are enemies. There are some. One of the strongest enemies in the game is this centaur-looking creature. I forget the name of it. And they're really hard to beat. And then, you know, Corbin and I were playing it one one day, and he he fought one. And you yeah, told me think, not to. Yeah, I told you not to do it. Oh, but you're like, man. since you were like adventure, it looked easy. But yeah, nice. Exactly. And this, I wonder. This is they probably pulled this from some Zelda thing in the past, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure. Well, at the boom, I thought it was cool when Zelda pulled out the boomerang. Mm-hmm. Um, and. But then I got confused because the like the floor opens up and she looks down and she sees her dad and she's looking into the light. I'm like, shouldn't that like blast her face off or something? That's what I was thinking too before I knew what it was doing. <laughs> and then I wrote in my notes, oh, the floor goes out. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she would have fell. Darn it. Yeah. But it doesn't go that far because this is a kid's show. Right. But this whirlwind is kind of silly i thought that like magically carries them out of there as i put in my notes because earlier in the show well actually let's take a step back because ganon also dies let's let's bring that up remember that oh yeah 
he and but he always goes back to his glass tube right right yeah they took a couple shots at him and finally took him down they can like never truly defeat him yeah in in this episode uh link is just like one more shot get in and you're done for whatever and it's just like heh but yeah yeah he dies and then er, then well earlier he picks up the whistle right yeah and in my notes (laughs) they he's i think he says something along the lines of time to whistle away out of here but in my notes, I said more like time to whistle up, but they use ex machina. Pretty much. The only thing that I thought might be um, kind of similar that I just thought of now is in, you know, when you beat a dungeon in the Ocarina of Time, you step into that light. Yeah, yeah. And it teleports you out. I'm wondering if they kind of looked back at some of this because this is very reminiscent of a dungeon level. Right. And then like a quick teleport out of there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Right. So this is my favorite episode of the four, five, and six. Okay. Episode five of these three, it's my favorite. Okay. Um, the scene character I said is a stupid inclusion. It was really pointless and useless. Um, otherwise, I'd buy it for five thousand five hundred thirty-two rupees. Okay. And okay, before I give my actual rating, I have I have even more questions. I read for okay. this. All right. So okay. in my notes, I have... Because when I finished the episode, I wrote down all of them. In my notes, I have... Now I'm confused. So Ganon can just respawn, right? Once you kill him, he goes back to his glass orb, and then he can just pull himself out whenever he wants, right? So I asked, does the same thing happen to Link and Zelda? Because if they're following by video game rules, then Link can just go back to the last time the game was saved, or wherever the, la- or wherever the save state is, wherever the save state is at, which would be in temples, the beginning of the temple... And I said, why doesn't Ganon just keep sending his troops to Hyrule to overwhelm them? Because he could just do that, right? That makes sense. But if Link and Zelda can respawn like Ganon does, then what would be the point? And while I'm on the subject, I'm asking, while I'm on the subject of asking about the logistics of the story, why don't Link and Zelda try to steal the Triforce of Power from Ganon, opening up the narration, whoever holds both pieces of, whoever holds both pieces rules this land? Why wouldn't that make the show better? A video game, a big game of Capture the Flag. Which is answered in my next in the next episode. So for this one, uh, uh, I'm gonna say I'll probably buy it for about fifteen hundred rupees. Okay, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it's the best. I'd say it's the best that we've had so far. Not saying much, but it actually has something to it. Yeah, I agree. So the second episode, well, the third, I guess, is episode six. That stinking feeling. Written by Dennis O'Flaherty. Yes. Which I say it that way because I had a substitute named Miss Flaherty, and we would always kind of like give her a hard time and make her pronounce <laughs> her name for us, and she's like, it's Flaherty. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But that stinking feeling kind of sounds like that sinking feeling to me. Oh, see, I had the episode name as the sinking feeling in my in my version of the show. Mine says that stinking feeling. Uh, otherwise, it seems very surprising, I guess, because, oh, Link, this place is so romantic, so Zelda wants him bad. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this... Okay, I have a lot of things in my notes about this. Like, okay, so from the, sh- from the beginning of the show to now, and I'm sure it continues, there is always something small that Link does, and then Zelda's like, oh, let me kiss you, you know, for it. But in this one, it, I feel like it takes it to like a completely different level because he's like, oh, look at this 
this romantic spot I have for us to go on a picnic. And then she's like, oh, you did this for me? And then immediately just like jumps on top of him yeah. and is going to kiss him. And I'm just like, huh? <laughs> like that's all it takes? <laughs> that was another thing that was out of character. It just didn't make any sense. Right. And, in my, and I have a bunch of things in my notes. So what I said is, I think Zelda really wants to kiss Link. Like for real. But she's playing hard to get. Right. Yeah. Because she's very, very wishy-washy, you know? Yeah. Like, something small will happen to not make them smooch, and then she just won't go for it at all, you know? Right, right. And But then there are other times where Link saves her life, and she's like, oh, wow, that was cool of you, you know? <laughs> well, there's not a whole lot of... I guess Link is a consistent character, but Zelda seems to not be very consistent, or at least their relationship. Yeah, in terms of how her character is constructed, yeah. I don't know why they do that. I guess to keep us on our feet. Oh, and I'm not like, I'm rooting for them to get together. Are you kidding me? Right. No. Right. Oh, wait. Um, and the spiders that come out of the ground, they look like these like puff, puff things, like these silly puff, puff balls. Yeah, this is not in the, okay, the, the creature design is in the game, but what they okay. do is not in the game because they like tie Zelda up in, they take, they tie Zelda up in like this, whatever it is yeah that never happens in the game so that was very confusing mm. is not that i'm aware of that happens in the game well i was like oh crap zelda is mummified and she's like being dragged i know and then her head almost gets busted off like i know and link like is like very nonchalant about it and saves her at the last minute of course. and then he like waits a while to get that stuff off of her and then he like slashes it off with his sword yeah i'm like also, what does this opening have to do with anything? <laughs> nothing. There, there, nothing in this opening has... Nothing in this opening occurs later in the episode. It's no, just there. It's And it's always just like when you think Link and Zelda are going to finally have like their peaceful romantic moment together. Right. It's perfectly foiled by something ridiculous happening that's pointless. I know. Um, and I thought it was really stupid when that Cupid gets, the Cupid statue gets stolen and it like ticks <laughs> Zelda off. She's like, that's it. He is, Ganon is dead. Okay. This is, this has a lot of questions. So Ganon finds this magnet thing, right? That, that confused me. Yeah. yeah. I, I've never heard of this. No. Never. Does it, it it's not mentioned anywhere, that's but I guess stupid. that really shouldn't be a surprise, you know? Yeah. So he finds this big magnet thing, and he tries. What was it? Captures Zelda with it, or something? I, I guess so. Yeah. No. Well, later on, he's gonna pull the castle under right. the ground. Right. Right. And but this didn't make any sense at all. Yeah, he pulls the. He was testing it, I guess. Right. I. That didn't I make any sense. I don't. I don't know. It just—it's really stupid too, because it's just like this giant magnet that pulls things down, like. And like, and the ground is completely in, left intact. I know. Um, but the the wolf, okay, the wolf I thought looked kind of cool. Yeah, I don't think I don't think this is an enemy in the games that I'm aware of. Uh, I doubt it. Um, he he kind of reminds me of there was like this show where there was like this giant shark and some other creature, and I think it was in the '90s. Listeners, if you know what I'm talking about, please comment below. I'm sure somebody will. Yeah. 
I couldn't think of it, but like his like build kind of reminded me okay, yeah. of that. It kind of reminded me of the, oh, I forget the name of the character, but the, like the wolf character from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Pretty much identical. They're just blue <laughs> instead of black. Yeah. yeah. So did it make any sense to you why Link and Zelda were like using the Triforce like a kite? And just going for a ride or something? Okay. It's ridiculously convenient to the episode. Yeah. Like, uh, I, it didn't make any sense. I was like... Uh, yeah, they pull the Triforce of Wisdom out, I guess, to go stop Ganon for whatever reason. For sink, for grabbing the Cupid statue. Oh, yeah. what an evil guy, you know. You're right. And then right after they pull it out and they're sitting outside the castle, the whole castle just sinks. Yeah. Fast. Yeah. Like, the whole castle just is gone. And it's just, like, how convenient, I guess, you know? <laughs> well, and it's very convenient because um, they took the Triforce out for a walk. And Link says, I've got a sinking feeling about this. And I just looked it up. You're right. It was called that sinking okay. feeling. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. Unless there's a typo in my actual dvd copy of the episode or something i'll let the listeners know next time hmm. for our next our next review but i don't know i was tired it was late yeah but link's like i've got a singing feeling about this very on the nose and the triforce is annoying once again and it's all very convenient absolutely and, and what's also very convenient is like the king's hiding spots like he hides from Ganon in, like, that fat suit of armor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot that the, that the king was actually a, a thing after the last yeah. uh, few episodes. He's hiding in that big fat suit of armor. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was weird. But they do decide to go after the Triforce of Power. Yeah, I like that. They were like, all right, let's do this. Let's, right. get, it, let's get them both together. Which is a question I had from the previous episode, which I, I didn't even know was going to be answered until this episode. After I wrote the questions down. So that was kind of a shock. I was like, oh, wow, they're actually, you know, being smart about this. Yeah. I was shocked to see that the Triforce could be used to conjure items. Yeah, objects. right. Like, they, like this huge, massive staircase. Yeah. There's just, like, a random chasm there from, like, different levels. And Zelda is like, I knew it, the Triforce could do this all along. She just, like, holds it, and, like, boom, this big staircase comes. And, and yeah. I, it's kind of a cool shot with that really giant staircase. Yeah, and, I mean, okay, if if the Triforce was always able to do this, why didn't they use it on Ganon before? Or, even better, why didn't they just go after the Triforce of Power before? <laughs> then Ganon would have nothing. You know, then they would rule the land of Hyrule. But yeah. we don't get that until episode six. We're learning so much about what it can do, apparently. I know. Um... Okay, and this, I liked this, there's like this super knight or whatever you saw Link fighting. Yeah, right. I thought the design was cool. It kind of reminded me of a boss fight, and but like I said, once again, I know how it's going to end, so that kind of ruins it for me, because there's like not any formidable foe. Like, if Link did not have his sword, but they just have like these magic items that like make things zap and like disappear, and but then yeah. nothing ever dies, because... In children's shows, cartoons, you can't have anybody die. They have to fall in water right. or whatever, disappear. But right. I did like that design. I just wish they could do more with it. Right. And okay, I'm going to bring up the plot of this and talk about it for a little bit because for me, this is 
my favorite episode of this trilogy of, of episodes that we're doing. I feel like there's a lot of stakes here, you know, like the entire castle of Hyrule has been sunk to the underground, which opens up even more questions I have as to how the underworld and overworld works in Hyrule. We won't get into that because I guess they were answered here. Anyway, so the entire episode is Lincoln's out trying to get to Ganon, who's who's taken the castle, the Hyrule Castle, because they want to get the Triforce of Power, right? Yeah. And but Ganon's trying to get the Triforce of Wisdom, which is in the Hyrule Castle, but they have that they have that Triforce piece. So it makes for a really interesting conflict because you have the heroes who have one piece of the Triforce, and they're trying to get the other piece of the Triforce, whereas Ganon, the opposite also has the opposite piece, but it's trying to get the other piece. I thought I thought that was really interesting. And like, I was like, oh, this is actually, like, TBH, this is actually kind of captivating, you know, for what it is. But at the same time, there's way too much here for a 16-minute episode. I always feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that there is time where you have to, like, if you want to create an episode, you know, you have to, you can't do too much. So you, that you don't overstay your welcome or pace it way too, way too fast or, you know, whatever that, all that is. There's just so much here that I feel like almost makes it f- better if it were a movie, not a 16-minute episode. But take out the credits, the opening and closing credits, it's barely over 10 minutes. I know. And, like, it's not much time at all. I feel like a couple things got muddled here towards the end. I feel like they could have been expanded and taken mm-hmm. their time to explain a little better because everything I felt like happened so quickly... But that's how I right. felt about the last episode. I was like, they're just doing so much, and they have to move so fast. Right, right. And then the and then the ending battle when Lincoln's out are fighting Ganon. It's like, yes, this is yeah, kind of cool. You know, like this is this isn't like terrible like the rest of the show is. You know, and it even yeah. gets to a point where it feels like Ganon is going to win. Like he's going to yeah. get both pieces of the Triforce, like for real this time. And then of course Deus Ex Machina, they kind of just cheat their way out of it. For this episode, I feel like yeah, this is. This is the best I've seen so far. You know, everything that's important is in the possession of Ganon at the moment, you know. I felt that too, because this was like a really fun fight. And they actually like took the fight and the struggle serious for a moment. Right. Normally it's a joke, but this was like the stakes were raised a little bit. So I appreciated that. Yeah, and I did too. Definitely one I would return to. Although, of course... Zelda's like, the Triforce is like, here, let's get it now. And he's like, we have no time. And Ganon right. goes, like, soaring, you know, gets knocked all the way over there. And the castle yeah. is crumbling, but it's also, like, being raised back up. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I was just, I'm, for me, I was just like, okay, yeah, the castle's going back up. That's good. But you have enough time to just grab the Triforce, a piece of the Triforce, and get back the way you came. Obviously, it didn't take you very long to get there in the first place. I would like to see in future episodes what they could do if, like, one party or the other had both Triforces. Right. Like, in one episode, Ganon does get both, but he never does anything with it. Uh, And that's just, I just feel like I would like the story to evolve that way. And I hope it does. I hope it does in the latter episodes. I mean, we're about halfway through the entire series right. right now, so there's not a whole lot left, but hopefully it does and right. i liked it did end on a funny note when link wanted the kiss and he got one from the king yeah that, was, that was pretty, pretty funny. funny yeah he got a kiss you know <laughs> so how many rupees do you buy this episode? yeah i probably buy it for five thousand you know whoa i mean this is the best episode so far in my opinion this one just had the best stakes you know everything 
it, I feel like it felt more focused, you know, yeah. which is not something I would be able to say for all of the other episodes. It felt like it had the point where it, this is what the story is going to be. You know, this is where we're going to head with it. And they had, I thought they had really good stakes, although ridiculous. Seeking the entire Hyrule Castle, that's ridiculous, right? Yeah. But this whole show is kind of ridiculous anyways, you know? So I don't know. I, I honestly, I didn't, I actually did kind of enjoy this episode. And I was like, wow, what, you know, I actually asked myself, like, what are they going to do when they get to the, the layer, again, his layer or whatever, you know? So yeah. yeah, I thought this had the best stakes. In my opinion, this is the best episode that we've seen so far. Still isn't saying much, but that is something that I do feel like is worth saying. And I I agree with that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I still feel like episode five, I enjoyed a little bit more, probably just because of just kind of like the structure of the episode and creature design and everything. Right. But yeah, I'd say this one, I'd buy it for about 3,360. That's pretty. That works. <laughs> Yeah, I was very impressed with the end of this one, though. Yeah, so was I. Well, listeners, that concludes our podcast for The Legend of Zelda, episodes 4 through 6. Make sure to stay tuned shortly because we will be back with episodes 7 through 9. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to go out and watch this. Just have fun. Like we said, they're pretty short episodes. Yeah. Um, And... The nice thing about Podbean is that you can comment your thoughts, so make some comments about what you think about these episodes or what's your favorite or um, anything that you felt that we might have missed that's worth noticing. So we'd like to hear from you. If you're on Um, Apple Podcasts, too bad. (laughs) If you're on Apple Podcasts, too bad. We do recommend downloading Podbean. You get a couple more features um, through that, and you get to enjoy the artwork of this episode. So we want to say thanks again for listening and make sure to stay tuned to the podcast, the YouTube channel, and the website. See you next time. What do you want, Curtis? If I do dishes, is that going to bother you? Uh, like I'll let you know. I'll let you know if it does. Okay, just yell at me if it does. All right. I'm going to clean up the stuff that I dirtied. That's fair. So just let me know. Okay. Bye.